0: You're listening to WCOM LP, 103.5 FM, Carborough and Chapel Hill it's a tuesday it's five o'clock and that only means one thing it's time for another round of snarky face with your host stuart deloney this is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life culture and spirituality all with our heads in the clouds our tongues in our cheeks our hearts in our sleeves and our feet on the ground at snarky face the questions or even the answers are never the point it's all about the conversation So
1: here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Welcome, welcome to the show, and welcome back. We've had a little bit of a summer hiatus, and we are back. We are excited here at Snarky Faith for, I want to go ahead and say, a pretty kick ass August. So I'm excited, and I'm ready to hop in on the show. And what better way to hop in? to our show then with your regular dose of Christian crazy. Let's hop to it.
2: And then I just started talking about God and and how much he loved, how much he talked about horses in the Bible. By the way, it's one of his favorite creatures he made. And by the way, he has a unicorn. Father has a unicorn. Jesus has a horse named Lightning. Holy Spirit has one named Thunder. Lightning has fire coming out of his nostrils. He's got a rainbow mane on him. But the father has a unicorn. And they're mentioned nine times in the Bible.
1: No, they're not. They're not mentioned nine times in the Bible. That's actually not true. Well, technically, if you're reading the original King James Version, the word unicorn does appear nine times. But as we all know, The original KJV is not necessarily the best translation because they're using the word unicorn in the place of an animal that has one horn. And apparently, that must be it. There is only one animal in the world that has one horn, and that's a unicorn. Sorry, narwhals. But who is this? Who's giving us an update? On God and the Trinity's My Little Pony collection? Well, it's none other than Prophetess Kat Kerr at the, wait for it, Elevation Rise Up Conference that just happened in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where everything good happens there. Yes, so apparently by Prophetess Kerr, Jesus has a horse, God has a unicorn, and the Holy Spirit also has a horse. That's that's interesting. Um yes, that is pretty awesome. That God is apparently a 10-year-old girl. Well, actually, if God was a 10-year-old girl, I think the world would be full of rainbows. And wait a second? Is God a 10-year-old girl? I'm not sure. But if my mama taught me anything which my mama really didn't, but my hypothetical mama, if she taught me anything, she would tell me never trust a person that is a self-proclaimed prophet or prophetess because that's just a good rule of thumb. Snarky faiths, rule of thumb, number 35. Never trust a prophet or a prophetess or anyone with the name visionary in their job title. That's just a big fat no-no. So speaking of Christian idiots, let's switch from Kat Kerr over to Katy Perry. Yes, that's right. Because, of course, all of us in the religious world have been waiting with bated breath to be able to hear about what does Katy Perry think about the state of things? Well, well, just because you were wondering that doesn't always mean you get an answer, but today is your lucky day, and I'm going to give you the answer yes So guess what? Katy Perry's feeling enlightened. She met the Pope back in April, and as she was talking to Vogue Australia, she says she's a a big, (laughs) she's a big, big fan of the Pope. Or as she put it, it's a combination of compassion, humility, sternness, and refusal. She said, he's a rebel, a rebel for Jesus. Oh, Katy Perry, please just shut up. This is just silly. It's just sad. We like Pope Francis, yes. This is like an easy target for you to go down, but he's a rebel for Jesus? Someone inform the Newsboys. Katy Perry has just given them a new title for their next cheesy album. And for those of you who don't know who the Newsboys are, you're better off not knowing who the Newsboys are. So just... Continue on, continue on, because we've got more Christian crazy up next.
3: And yeah, we showed you uh CIA agent, homosexual Anderson Cooper on and CNN. Well, over on the other communist news channel, MSNBC, they have another homosexual, Rachel Maddow. You see, America, you've been homosexualized. You've been Judaized. I'm going to just tell you the way it is, Okay. Your minds have been captured. You're no longer a Christian nation. Even the Christians don't think like Christians anymore. That's right. You've been Judaized. You've been homosexualized. You've been, you've been Babylonianized. Your minds have been tainted.
1: I mean, two can play at that game, Rick Wiles. You've been Trumpized, consumerized, overemphasized, photosynthesized, overcapitalized. Territorialized, overgeneralized, sensationalized, underpublicized, sentimentalized, hypersensitized. It's a game. It's just like we're playing Scrabble. I can add eyes onto almost anything. Rick, you've told us such a fun new game, especially when we're being crazy. Because honestly, I feel like I made just as much sense using a bunch of eyes words as you did. but. When you're speaking to an audience of insane people, when you add the word eyes to something, it makes it sound much more scientificized, if that's actually a word, or maybe traditionalized. You may like that one better. Or my favorite, biblicized. I'm sorry for that aside. Rick, I'm pretty sure you had something to say. What was it, Rick? Just because you have a microphone doesn't mean it's not crazy, but... Well, you are part of the Christian crazy of the week, so we might as well listen. You don't even think like
3: a Christian anymore. And so Rachel Maddow, she was spewing out last night, calls for revolution. That's exactly right. Calls to remove the president of the United States. She was telling the left, take a deep breath. We're at that moment. It's coming. We're at that moment.
1: Wait, did things just get kind of weirdly sexual all of a sudden? I'm really, really, really curious about how Rick's going to finish this to completion. We're almost there. We're going to remove him from the White
3: House. Friends, I think we're about 72 hours, possibly 72 hours from a
1: coup. Uh, look be prepared be prepared people 72 hours this is going to happen mark my word wait i'm sorry what i'm hearing this i'm sorry um oh this clip oh this clip was from a couple weeks back when we weren't on the air oh yeah sorry go ahead and continue rick with your spot on prophetic word that
3: you're going to turn on television and see
1: helicopters
3: hovering over the roof of the white house With men clad in black, rappelling down ropes, entering into the White House. Be prepared for a shootout in the White House. As Secret Service agents shoot commandos coming in to arrest President Trump. That's how close we are to revolution.
1: All right, well, let me at least say this. I was mocking Rick. Because he was sounding like he was kind of getting off on saying that, but Rick may have just described one of my sexual fantasies. There's something that makes me really jolly and excited. Oh, shoot out in the White House. Wouldn't that be a fun fantasy? But it's not going to happen. Womp womp. Thanks for giving me a case of biblical blue balls, Rick. Not again. All right. Let me take a deep cleansing breath. Before I bring you to your final crazy Christians of the week And I take a deep breath To cleanse the palate, to cleanse the soul Before we enter into something that's kind of like just an alternative reality full Filled with alternative facts And alternative thinking With that kind of setup, I will give this to you. It's wonderful. And we have here in this next clip, we have like religious right radio host Janet Mefford. And she's talking with former family council fellow Tim Daly. And somehow on this conversation about... I actually honestly have no idea what the whole context of this conversation is. This is just too great. Uh, Yeah, yeah. We get into the spiritual, the spirituality of Bigfoot. Yeah, you heard that right. Bigfoot. So let's go ahead and just kind of let them, I'm just going to let them run with it for a minute. Now on
2: the Bigfoot question, people will talk about Sasquatch and what's going on up in the Northeast, and there have been a lot of people saying they've seen Bigfoot, they want to find him, these sorts of things. There was even a TV show about it. What should we think about Bigfoot sightings? How does this tie in, would you say, to the paranormal conspiracy?
1: Wait, wait, wait. Before you go any further, please, Tim Daly, please... Don't tell me I'm not allowed to watch Harry and the Hendersons anymore. I'm a kid of the 80s. My mom already took my He-Man toys away from me. Wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons or even The Labyrinth. Oh, because all those things are from the devil. Don't take Bigfoot away from me. Please don't do it. Don't do it, Tim Daly. I think you're going to do it.
0: Well, it's part of, I believe, it's uh, the societal transformation where... <clears throat> The zombie, uh, the zombie apocalypse, and all this—it's—it's it's beings that are out there that are beyond our control, that are threatening us, and are dangerous, and we don't know how to deal with it. It's the beginning of this transformation. But there's a couple things to remember with the Bigfoot phenomenon. Number one, you have many, many reliable observers that see, have seen Bigfoot. These are not kids on a prank. And the, But the second thing is the, a virtual absence of any physical evidence of their existence. I talk about the discovery of the Billy Ape in Africa and recently in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And they traveled into this huge country, half the size of Alaska. They found this um, this small community of Billy Apes. They got DNA samples, they got videos, they got photographs, they got uh, hair samples, dung, they saw their nests and examined them, all of this. But none of this has ever ever happened in all of the thousands of sightings of of, uh, Bigfoot here in the United States. So it shows that what's going on is not really a physical phenomena. It's real, it's a projection, it's it's a demonic virtual reality, but it's not nuts and bolts Uh, uh, in this case, flesh and blood uh, creatures.
1: So, Tim Daly, what you're telling me is this, that when it comes to Bigfoot, there have been reliable eyewitnesses and no evidence. I may argue with you about the Bigfoot phenomenon when it comes to reliability, but let's just kind of run with your idea here. So, uh, reliable people tend to see Bigfoot. That's a bit questionable, but let's just go with that one. But at the same time, there's no evidence of Bigfoot besides in movies. Okay, okay. So then, therefore, A plus B equals, of course, a, uh, well, a non-flesh and blood demonic projection. Of course, that's what it must. Wait, what? What? Hold on a second. Huh? Seriously? that That's what you're going with? With Bigfoot? I mean, are you going to tell us now that like Chupacabra is also a demon and that's really how we get into cryptozoology? They're just demons. That's the most boring answer I've heard. It really is. But I, I will let you finish as you're ruining all of my childhood. Continue on. I
2: think you also said in the book, isn't it interesting how a lot of this phenomena... Occurs at night when you can't get a clear picture, <laughs> and I thought right. that's true. Why doesn't it ever happen at noon when people get a good shot of Bigfoot?
0: Exactly. Yeah, Bigfoot and UFOs. Under, yeah. uh, Jacques Vallee, uh, one of the top researchers, did a chart of UFO sightings and was very uh, interested to see that the vast majority happened in the dead of night. And you wonder why is this? You know. Right. And then if you remember the biblical verse about those who are the powers of darkness that love darkness
1: rather than light ah so we've now descended into the superstitious area of weird crazy christian faith it happens at night and everything that happens at night must be bad because satan is the king of darkness and when there's not sunlight only evil happens yeah i don't i'm not really tracking with you with all of this, with all of this stuff that you're trying to like pin on, like those weird creatures, cryptozoology type creatures and, and aliens out there, that the easy answer is most people see them at night. Therefore, demons, because demons only come out at night. And, but wait, what does that mean for Trump? He comes out in the day a lot of the time too. So I'm not really sure if all of this holds up, but. I'll give you a little bit more line here. I'll give you a little bit more line just to see how crazy you can get.
2: That's right. That's important. Now, many will listen to us talking about these things and say, yes, but what possible spiritual reason would the devil have for manifesting himself as some Bigfoot-like creature in the Northeast? What could possibly be the reason that the devil might be motivated to make an appearance, even if it's a UFO or an alien that somebody sees? Why would the devil do this?
1: Ah, so now we're trying to apply logic and reason to this situation because, of course, the devil enjoys the night time because it's always 5 o'clock somewhere, and that's when you get your party on, and if you're getting the party on, you're partying with the devil. So let's see. what well, good old Tim's got to tell us. Let Tim set it straight. Set the record straight.
0: Well, the uh, it's part of, a, once again, the age-old demonologic phenomenon. It's part of the devil's modus operandi. He has always used uh, this kind of phenomena to as we uh, once again, to destabilize, to engender fear, to open us up to uh, the possibilities of other realities and other beings, and then we begin getting involved with demonic spirits. So, yeah, all through history, there's, uh, there have been many, many different varieties of beings uh, that are primarily spiritual beings that have terrorized civilizations and peoples. And non-Christian cultures are very aware of this because they have to deal with these kind of beings all the time. And that's what they have shamans for, to, to hold these spirit beings at bay. <laughs> We're getting to that stage here in the United States.
1: Ah, so your easy answer there, Tim, is that somehow that's just kind of what the devil does. That's his mode of operations. And, but I do love you say this, like, and I'm going to say this in extreme Christianese for the folks in these kind of worlds, so how they would understand this. So you're essentially saying that non Christian or quote unquote pagan cultures know what's going on. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, Tim? The pagan cultures know where it's going on. So they have a firm understanding of these crazy things like Bigfoot and, and Chupacabra and things like Sarah Palin, these weird mythical creatures that are, that, yes, that could not exist in reality because they're just too ridiculous. Okay, so then us Christians need to wake up. We need a wake-up call because bad things are happening at night. Really? Yeah, I don't know. All this sounds, <laughs> all of this just sounds really stupid and really fearful and superstitious. And is that kind of what we've gotten from, like, the religious right? Actually, wait, yeah, insane, overly superstitious, uh, kind of pulled apart from reality, that does seem to talk about this whole conservative evangelical ilk maybe he's onto something maybe we're able to discover what's kind of being said in between of what's being said here that these folks are just really crazy pagan superstitious idiots not my words but if you listen to theirs it kind of works there it kind of works a bit let's see what else they have to say.
2: Well, and that's an interesting point, too. Why do you think that the interest in the occult is growing? Why do you see so many people caught up, not just in things like sightings, but also in occult practices and in magic and in shamanism and the idea that I can become part of God or I can become God himself? What is the lure of it all?
0: Well, uh, the lure is touching on the deepest needs of our lives. You cannot... Escape the fact that we need to uh, we need to have love. Everyone has to have love. Everybody has to have some sense of meaning for our lives. But if we're not looking in the right direction, we by uh, of necessity are going to be exploring other directions uh, that are not going to be helpful at all. And that's what's going on. If you look at the, the TV programs on any given night, you have your you'll have your choice of a UFO show, a Bigfoot show, ancient aliens, uh, whatever. And it's just exploding.
1: See, this is what gets me. And this is kind of the stuff I grew up being in a uh, conservative Christian home from uh, my early days. I remember the times where I had to sit through seminars at church about backmasking. For those who don't remember that, that's when you could play records backwards and they had evil meanings. Because that's where people hide evil things is... I really don't understand. I mean that I didn't get it back then. I thought it was a stretch, even as a kid, and and what we're hearing is that there is this great superstition, especially amongst like conservative evangelical Christians, like where the devil is under every rock, that that all of these answers to what TV shows are popular or what apps uh, are. Hits amongst young people, all of this has to do with culture is demonic, it's from the devil, and we need to keep our children far away from it. And what ends up happening, especially in these scenarios, is that we become less discerning and we become more crazy. Just as you've heard these folks trying to somehow put their own weird superstitious Christian spin on Bigfoot. Why should that actually matter to most folks trying to walk out the ways and teachings of Jesus? The answer is it shouldn't. It shouldn't. These are those kind of areas in that, that I've seen what tends to happen is Christians like to get obsessed with things that aren't connected to reality, that aren't connected to anything that can actually impact their communities and impact the people around them in positive ways. We'd rather be afraid or obsessed with these weird things that are kind of out there in the whole like cultural sphere and, and we feed off of it. And yeah, I grew up around this kind of stuff. You know, I grew up where I remember Christmas, I got a bunch of He-Man toys. And then eventually, like six months later, my mom heard that He-Man was from the devil. So bye-bye Christmas. Goodbye, because we don't want Satan in the house. It was fine until we heard it was bad. Because apparently I was casting spells by playing with He-Man and G.I. Joe and everything else of that matter like issues of things like violence oh don't worry about violence when you're playing with your toys we just want to worry about demonic possession because these toys by mattel and hasbro they're all sorts of full of plastic and demon. they're so full of it that it's just gonna rub off onto your kids and you gotta throw this crap away and again all this is just christian fear-mongering in like the fringes where we're even inventing things to be afraid of inventing things to run away from if you hear bigfoot you know put your fingers in your ears and run away screaming because if you may hear too much and then you'll be possessed by the demon of bigfoot it's nuts it's absolutely nuts And i actually tell you that story to tell you this story when we're talking about Christians being nuts and why that is problematic. Um, And things like we read here, especially in our Christian Crazy during our show here, it's fun to poke fun at them. Um, It is a joy uh, to mock them snarkily. But the problem with this is there's people that are actually applying this bizarre worldview to everyday practice. And and I want to give you this is something we haven't done much but I want to go ahead and give you a little walk uh down memory lane. Let's look to something. Let's look to this. Let's look back to the days where the Catholic Church was afraid of cats. Yes. We're going to have a little bit of a history lesson when it comes to Christians being absolutely absurd. And Part of this, I'm pulling from information from allthetensorshitting.com, ATI.com, and and so what they said here was this, and I found this fascinating, I heard this offhanded uh, the other week, and I was like, that's not real, that can't be real, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, this is just as bad as the Bigfoot guy, so I'm going to read from their article entitled, Pope, the Vatican, I'm sorry, (laughs) the Pope massacres cats, the Vatican really, really hates cats. And this is true. This is all historical. Pope Gregory, who held the papacy from 1227 to 1241, definitely hated cats. And I'm going to go as far to this that Pope Gregory also believed that cats embodied Lucifer himself. Now, I will tell you this: this is Pope Gregory the Ninth. So, for all of you Pope Gregory the Eighth fans out there, I apologize for not mentioning. This is Pope Gregory the Ninth. Okay, and Gregory was basing this theory of his on evidence from Conrad of Marburg, a papal inquisitor. Apparently, uh, torture produced some pretty convincing confessions from people who worshipped the devil and his black cat. So, on June thirteenth, uh, twelve thirty-three. Gregory issued a Vox in Rama, an official papal decree declaring that Satan was half cat and sometimes took the form of a cat during satanic masses. Okay. You may be hearing this and being like, wow, this is a crazy bit of history. This is nuts. It's not nuts. This is true and this is real. And this is what begins to happen when you begin to get Christians, especially organized Christians, behind weird superstitions and. Fear. Now, why would it matter? Okay, so we may say here, okay, the Pope just thought cats were the spawn of Satan. What harm could that be, right? So he issues this claim. Catholics around the European continent begin slaughtering any feline that entered their property. Because actually, you can see some of the effects based on the article Um, still today. There is a very small black cat population in Europe. And it's directly related to this. Now, why would this matter? Well, let's enter the bubonic plague. And how does that matter? So cats are evil, bubonic plague, right? So history shows that the Black Death, which ravaged Europe in the mid-1300s, was actually caused by rats and the fleas on them, which means killing off the rats' main predators was probably not the best idea. So are we getting this connection that the Catholic Church, the Pope of the Catholic Church, came out making an official decree that cats were somehow the spawn of Satan, related to Satan, or Satan bad cat stuff, whatever you want to say this. So, and all of this has a hand in leading to the Black Death that ravaged Europe. So, you have a real problem that is affecting the people. You have the church come up with a moronic answer to that problem that is not based upon reality or science. And then you have the church carry out their crazy crackpot ideas, which actually makes the problem that you're facing like a thousand times worse. Now, you may say to yourself, but yes, Stuart, that was back in the dark ages. That could never happen again. Really. So that leads me to my main story today. We are going to delve into Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, the third and 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 his religious task force, the religious liberty task force. Now, this isn't meant for you to mistake this for Space Force, which is Trump's new moronic idea. Uh, And with that moronic idea, it's simply just it's. Meant from his empty like styrofoam head Uh, But Sessions See Sessions Sessions is a naughty little guy here He's a sneaky little elf He's a bad house elf And what happened a few weeks back Well I'm going to let Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III Tell you a little bit more about this And we're going to kind of pick this apart For the rest of our show today Because I think you're going to find this interesting and at the same time alarming and terrifying because guess what whether you're pope gregory the ninth or whether you're working for the trump administration religious insanity met with unfounded superstitions equals stuff that is truly troubling And when we look back to what happened to superstition (laughs) plus the Black Death, oh, did the Christians make it better? Oh, no. They made it a lot worse. And they made it a lot worse in the name of God. So here is Sessions.
4: Let's be frank. Uh, A dangerous movement, undetected by many, but real, uh, is now challenging and eroding a great tradition Religious freedom there can be no doubt. It's no little matter. Uh, It must be confronted intellectually and Politically uh, and defeated.
1: Oh, please say it's Bigfoot. Please say it's Bigfoot Jefferson Beauregard Sessions Please tell me the problem plaguing religion today is Bigfoot
4: this election this past election and much that has flowed from it gives us a rare opportunity uh, to arrest these trends and to confront them. Such a reversal will not just be done with electoral victories, however, but by intellectual victories.
1: Damn it, it's not Bigfoot. All right, Jeff, what is this thing? What should we be afraid of? Do tell, tell, tell.
4: We've gotten to the point where courts have held that morality cannot be a basis for law, where ministers are fearful to affirm, as they understand it, holy writ from the pulpit, and where one group can actively target religious groups by rela- uh, labeling them hate groups.
1: Okay, so Sessions is kind of laying out a bit of a thesis here for this religious freedom task force, or whatever the hell he's calling it now. So he was laying it out that, that we've come to this place in our country where morality can no longer be a basis for law, that now ministers are quaking in their pulpits because they can't speak what they're supposed to speak From their faith, traditions, and scripture Because Trump isn't in any of them Oh, wait, yeah, I'm sorry I'm not going to get into this too much Because we're going to unpack all of this And then lastly, he was saying Religious groups, certain religious groups Are being labeled as hate groups Most likely because they're doing hateful things Anything else to add? My little pint-sized attorney general Who kind of sounds a little like Forrest Gump if Forrest's box of chocolates was filled with misogyny and bigotry, yeah, you get the point. All right, Jeff, go ahead and finish—not finish, but finish enough.
4: This president and this Department of Justice are determined to protect and advance our magnificent heritage of freedom of religion. Freedom of religious, uh, freedom of religion is indeed our first freedom being the first listed right in the First Amendment. This has been a core American principle from the beginning. It is one of the reasons this country was settled in the first place. The promise of freedom of conscience brought the Pilgrims to Plymouth, the Catholics to Maryland, the Quakers to Pennsylvania, Scott Presbyterians to the Middle Colonies, Roger Williams to Rhode Island. Each of these groups and others knew what it was like to be hated, persecuted, outnumbered, and discriminated against.
1: Ah, yes, these groups knew what it was like to be persecuted so well that they, in turn, took all their education and learned how to persecute, just like their persecutors had done before them. And another point, which is really interesting, and and that I think... Needs to be like underscored here So Sessions is talking about this That our country was founded On this idea of freedom of religion That that many folks came over here um, Seeking a new way and a new life together um, Without that kind of a persecution Now I will note that Sessions is only mentioning people From the Christian sphere Different Christian denominations Um, Is what he is laying this out as So when we begin to talk about This task force This task force for religious freedom What it really should say Like in the subtext Only Christians Only Christians Only Christians Only Christians And only Christians Now why do I say that? So here's one of the many reasons (laughs) Why what Sessions is doing right now Is troubling And I'm saying this from a standpoint of a person who is a person of faith, a person who uh, is an ordained minister, and is saying all of this stuff is bad. And so we're going to hop around uh, through an article from uh, the Vox or from Vox.com uh, entitled Jet Sessions Announces a Religious Liberty Task Force to Combat Quote Dangerous Secularism," and this is by Ta- Tara Isabella Burton. Now I'm going to just go and hop into this because. <laughs> Uh, My problems uh, hop off the page right away at the beginning of this article um, That was put like this So that... um Sessions announced that a creation of a religious liberty task force will enforce the 2017 DOJ memo ordering federal agencies to take the uh, the broadest possible interpretation of, quote, religious liberty when enforcing federal laws. That memo, for example, uh, prohibits the IRS from threatening the tax- tax-exempt status of any religious organization that actively lobbied on behalf of a political candidate, which is not allowed under the Johnson Amendment. So here's, like, problem number one. Actually, probably problem number two that I brought up. that This task force is really mainly centered around making sure Christians can feel comfy-like in their bigotry. Um, But number two is that, yes, they're pushing this. They are pushing this. uh, This Department of Justice memo that happened in 2017... And, and I love the example that they pulled out because we did a show on this a while back. You can go to snarkyfaith.com and be able to search for that too. And we did an, an episode on the Johnson Amendment. This is scary. This is a very scary thing when you begin to allow tax-exempt religious organizations to actively lobby on behalf of a political candidate. What begins to happen is the pulpit on Sunday morning gets more and more politicized. Now, some of you will say, well, 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 no, no, no. I have... I have lived on both coasts of the country, attended many different churches from each coast and in between. And I have seen this on many occasions where you will actually see conservative churches that will hand out pamphlets inside their bulletins telling people exactly who to vote for. I've seen it to where pastors will let political candidates from a specific party um, will come and speak on a Sunday morning, Speak in a way that occupies the same time That you'd be hearing a pastor preach So you are Letting your spiritual space be Invaded by somebody that is Really out to get their vote and things Like this things like this are hella Problematic when it comes to the Johnson amendment But don't worry about that Because Jeff Sessions Says ain't no big deal Look at my DOJ memo Follow that Because that's the way That we need to walk this out Forget the Johnson amendment We can kind of ignore that old thing Because it's getting in the way Of Christians Vying for political power Because you see Really what happens here Is all of this is boiling down To something that is incredibly simple This is a phenomenon That has been happening Since forever It's called progress and, and here's how progress works, especially how it's working in our country. You have a bunch of white Christians who have been in a position of privilege for hundreds of years in this country. And when you begin to take away some of their privilege that they have enjoyed that others have not been able to enjoy, when you begin to take that away it feels like it feels to them like they are being discriminated. But if you go back to this idea of what, what is the definition of the word privileged? Well, let's go ahead and look at this. And so in this context, the way you'd use privilege is this. It's being an adjective saying having special rights, advantages, or immunities. Or, <laughs> as the dictionary <laughs> gives us an example, in the 19th century, only a privileged few had the vote. And that is speaking to what white folks, especially white Christian folks, have had for the longest time in America. They have had, uh, they have had special rights. They have special, and they've had special advantages over other people, uh, minorities. Um, well, <laughs> uh, if we want to really speak about this, uh, the the white american christians with penises they were the highest up in this privileged category here so yes they had the advantages over people that didn't have penises advantages over people that had different skin color that came from different countries that believed different things that may want to love in different ways as well and now when we begin to afford other people equal rights under the law That makes the privileged very nervous and very scared as if their rights are being taken away from them. You see the math that we have going here? When other people get similar rights to those that are privileged, the privileged feel like they're getting ripped off. Now, think of that for a second. That's kind of sick and messed up, especially when to start acting like we're especially like (laughs) conservative Christians are acting as if they are persecuted now. They're persecuted because they have to show grace and compassion to other people. What? Who said this? Not Jesus. Oh, wait, he did. Oh, oh, oh. Well, let's just default to Paul because Paul can be more of an a-hole at times, depending on how you read him. Let's just do that. And see, we've we've come to this place. Where this, this is a sickness in the church. This is a sickness in politics, but this is a sickness in the American Christian church. This idea of privilege. I am owed this. This is my right. Because if we remember this, if we remember the ways and the teachings of Jesus, if we remember the ways and and, and and the story of the early church— They didn't have it the way they wanted to, but they continued to follow Jesus and follow after the teachings of Jesus because that was the right thing to do. That's what they believed that they were called to do. They didn't do it because it was comfortable, but now we get to American Christians. Oh, my faith in this country. It's not comfortable when I say horrible things. People call me a racist. This isn't right. I want to go back to the days where I just wore a white hood. I could burn things and lynch things whichever way I want to, which is I'm assuming is kind of the internal thought process in like Jeff's head. That's probably like close to the voice. That that is going through here. Like the one we can't hear, but we know he's saying it. He's kind of, you know, smiling and winking to the camera. This is what I'm doing. This is me. This is Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. And so when I'm talking about this area of privilege, them putting together this kind of a task force is a huge affront to anything that has to do with progress, anything that has to do with compassion or grace. Or I'm going to go as far to say Jesus-y. Because, again, Jesus says the two most important commandments are loving the Lord your God with all your, your mind, your soul, your heart, and your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the idea of having a task force to go out and love the hell out of your neighbors hasn't done that well for us. <clears throat> Makes me think of things like ice and my sweet tea. No, not that ice. Ice. So all of these task force that we have that we are out showing anything but love. And we call it religious That's a dirty word, which is a really sad state of being to the fact that something that is religious, we know, isn't graceful, isn't loving, isn't compassionate, isn't humble, and isn't full of grace. And that is a very sad state of the American Christian church. But it's a real just sad state that we are in and we find ourselves in right now. You see... All of this kind of stuff, it puts us in like a dangerous position where we can go back in time um, to be like Gregory the Ninth and say the problem plaguing our our lands are cats. And we need to just kill the cats because cats are Satan and this plague that we're having here is Satan. So cats and plagues and Satan, they're all bad. Let's just just, just get rid of them. See, that was, in a certain sense, a religious task force Um, when he put that out there into the world, telling all Catholics, this is the word of the Lord. And when we don't look back back. When we don't look to history for our mistakes, we are doomed to repeat those same mistakes, and that is no different than the church. We've seen historically the church care more about power than people, care more about prestige than they actually care about God. And this, this task force that we see here right now is not out there to protect your churches. It's out there to make your, friends, your Christians in our country feel more comfortable feel that their president is more badass because if Trump is badass, then that must mean our God is badass because Trump was appointed by God, so then therefore we have a badass God, a badass president who hates everybody and a religious task force that's going to tell all of those who don't believe like us they're all going to hell um, and that we as privileged white Christians can continue to do whatever the hell we want to in this country irregardless of it having anything to do with... Jesus. Yes. So more into the task force after my long and extended aside there. So let's break down. um, Let's break down his three main areas that this task force is focusing on trying to snuff out. So it was number one thing that he mentioned that morality cannot be uh, can no longer be a basis for the law. And when Sessions begins to talk about things like this and wanting this task force to curb things of that nature, what begins to scream out to me in situations like this, this is kind of like a similar rationale, especially uh, mm, being in a state that had the bathroom bill and things, <laughs> fun things of that nature. Um, yeah, thanks, North Carolina. But this kind of rationale like, has been used in the past And can be used in the future uh, To be able to deny Like LGBTQ folks It can (laughs) Where businesses can deny them Employment And if that is A similar rationale That rationale sounds a whole lot Like segregation And Jefferson Beauregard Sessions would know Nothing about segregation Because he's from the great State of Alabama yeah, oh my god, yes, okay So we're really just trying to get Segregation back jiving right now Just under a different word here Is that what it is? I don't know if it's that bad But it's pretty bad And you see the problem The problem with this Is that The First Amendment the First Amendment Already guarantees a right Of free exercise And freedom of expression for all religious beliefs We already have that We already have that In place So Why this Why, why is, this, is this going along Well we understand that Trump Is also doing this to continue to Give gifts to his base um, His evangelical Born again Base And they see things like same-sex marriage or objection to things like birth control or abortion as being fundamentally bad and fundamentally evil. Now, when he first said one of our problems is that morality can no longer be a basis for the law, that's actually a good thing. We want the law to (laughs) to not be based on religion. We're not a theocracy. We're a democratic republic, and we need to act like it. Until authoritarianism and fascism takes over and blah, 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 blah. So basically what I'm saying, people, is act like a democratic republic while we have it. And that means that all peoples, like all citizens in this country, actually I hate that I said all citizens, all people in our country should be governed by the rule of law and that law shouldn't be biased to one group of people or the others because again i said this just a few minutes ago our first amendment already guarantees us a right of free exercise and free expression for all religious beliefs not preferences because this ends up being kind of moving us into point number two about now ministers are afraid to speak from their holy writ from the pulpits. Mainly, it comes down to this, and we've said this before already in this argument, but Christians are upset because they are losing power and influence in the public spectrum. It's They've lost it, and it's not coming back, especially when they're trying to act in this way. I would love to see Christians that were seen like... In The public world as ones that are out loving they are out being compassionate. They are out giving they are out serving they are out helping they are out trying to make this world a better place as opposed to being people that only know how to tell you what you can't do like. When, when all of this, I mean, I feel like that there is this just obsession, obsession, it almost borderlines on and like erotic obsession with sin. It's like we live in this sinfinity universe, at least how the Christians would tell you that there's no good outside the walls of this church, that that for someone that doesn't believe they can accomplish no good, they would tell you that kind of a thing. And the only way we can do good is to be able to elect good conservative a-holes uh into office that will say horrible things they'll say the horrible things that we don't want to say as christians but we believe it in our hearts that's why we elect them to be our hateful bigoted mouthpieces to the world get with the picture people i'm of course being very sarcastic here and again a reminder you're watching a show called snarky face so sarcasms just part of our vernacular here and so, yes, so they're claiming this fact that, oh, ministers are afraid to say what they want to believe um, from the pulpits. My problem is this. If the pulpit has gotten that incredibly political, the pulpit needs to kind of take a step back and have like, you know, let's have some contemplation time, pastor from the pulpit. Why are you there? What is your job of pastor? Have you jumped the shark on who you are as a Christian and as a pastor? Have I forgotten my job as pastor, that my job is supposed to be to hopefully raise up and edify my flock or my congregation, teaching them to be more and more like Jesus? So where does politics have to do with any of this? I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. So yes, for those few pastors out there in the world, uh, mainly in the United States, that are afraid of speaking their minds from the pulpits— There's a reason you're afraid to speak your mind Because you're worried about the backlash And why should you be worried about the backlash? Oh, oh, I get it It's because you're hateful It's because you're consumed with things That the kingdom of God is not consumed with And so instead of you feeling guilt and kind of having your own come to Jesus moment, being like, oh, Lord, what have I done? I'm a pastor, but I'm acting more like a politician. We don't have those moments typically with with these folk. No, typically they will get to the place of just being able to say, oh, I just need to make sure we have something like a religious liberty task force to protect me so I can continue just to be my horrible self. And the last part of it was Sessions was mad that certain groups were being labeled as hate groups. Now, here, this comes from a rub that Sessions has with the Sovereign Poverty Law Center, and who oftentimes has a very broad designation of what a hate group is. And Sessions, Sessions doesn't like this. Mainly, I'm going to be snarky here, is that we Christians are the only ones that should be able to define who we can hate. It's not really what he said. But it's really kind of like he kind of feels like what he's saying. Like, if you watch the actions of this, that's really kind of what he's saying. But that's not I'm putting words in his mouth here. So I may be a little unfair, but I don't really care. But more importantly, ever since Trump has gotten into (laughs) the office of presidency, if that's what we're still calling it, that we've seen somebody that disparaged against Mexican immigrants that continues like to flame to fan the flames of islamophobia and we've seen <laughs> we've seen the rise of the alt right and racism become kind of okay within a lots of groups in america and when we begin to see such hate Coming out of such religious groups People being able to say their hate Now they wouldn't say this But really this is what it means on paper Their hate is justified Because their God tells them they can hate So damn it, we're gonna hate Like God tells us to Again, it's not in the Bible But that is the brand of Christianity That is being peddled right now It's sad, it's sick And I'm gonna tell you that More often than not The Southern Poverty Law Center is right is right about a lot of these hate groups out there i'm not going to go through and pick through their list but i'm going to say by and large they have a point and sessions does not like that point if i want to be a racist and love god well damn it i'm gonna do both even though those two actually really don't fit whatsoever being a racist and loving god it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not in the Bible It's very un-Jesus-y and none of this matters Ultimately my point is Is this whole task force is a sham for Trump's base But at the same time it's actually also kind of scary um, We're beginning to kind of see like the last like breaths Of, of this holdout Of the old way of doing things And conservative Christians don't want to see times change. They don't want to be uncomfortable, and honestly, they don't want to be forced to act like Jesus. They'd rather go back to their old ways of simply just hating people and feeling comfortable in their hateful church. So thanks, Sessions. Thanks for all of those people out there. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this continues to unravel as it moves forward, whether this is just pageantry or if this will end up actually being something a lot more insidious. Insidious? Donald Trump? How are those two things related? I have no idea. But as we get to the end of this broadcast, just a reminder that you can always catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com. You can also call in and give your opinions, pro, con, ask questions, whatever you want to. Leave a message at 919-525-1570. That's the official Snarky Hotline. And as I say goodbye this week, I send you off with the holiest amount of snark and grace and peace i'm out of
0: here wcom is listener supported community radio and snarky faith is only possible through our sponsors lumen a spiritual community of seekers sojourners question askers doubters and skeptics is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred hope is real and tomorrow can be a better day. More information at www.lumencommunities.com